0: Good to see you guys today. Are you fired up already? I mean, even good, good, good. That's good. We may get even more so. And it's okay. If you get out of hand, I can handle it probably better than you can. So, hey, if this is your first time with us, uh, first time in a long time, text the word welcome to that number, 307-224-4404. If you're visiting with us online, you're doing the stream today. Uh, that would get us your name, your cell phone number, maybe an email. That way we could kind of get in touch or maybe actually get in touch. That'd be good. We will not ask for your social security number or credit card, but if you want to give that to us, I do need a few things. <laughs> just kidding. Is it? Christmas is coming, man. So I'll leave that number up for a minute. I got a couple announcements to make while that's up there, okay? So please do that. You can do it right now. It's. I expect people to be on their phones. I know that you're just on Facebook telling them how awesome we are. That's. I get that. So anyway. Uh so, uh so last month we raised money for a church in Pakistan, and so together we raised $3, 000, over $3,800 for a new building Woo! Woo! in Pakistan, so thank you. Thanks for being a part of that, and thank you for what you're doing. Now this month, we're going to do some things more local. We want to raise some money to help our local food bank out and Inside Connection and our schools, and so uh, we're asking for donations and diapers and uh, it would be weird to wrap the donation in a diaper, but I would be so about that. But my wife said no, so I can't. But if you do, that would be good. Uh, but anyway, the food bank needs all the diapers they can get and also donations for food. Now, they can get four meals for $1 through their connections. So uh, that's what we'd rather do is just gather a donation for them. And then also on the diaper side of that, Inside Connection, where's Lori? Lori, wave at him. I would have her stand up, but you couldn't tell the difference. And um, I'm sorry. I'm just being mean. (laughs) I'm in trouble. Look at him. (laughs) I'm sorry, Lori. Please forgive me. I owe you now. I'll have to go get some diapers. The Inside Connection needs size three, four, and six of diapers, about ten packages of each, and all the wet wipes they can get. And then also we'd like to buy a case or two of masks for our local schools there, we can get a case of 500 for about $750, so if you want to help us with any of that stuff through November, we would greatly appreciate it, and uh, we thank you for that, okay? Uh, oh, November 11th, Christy, uh, I, would, I don't know how to give you a mic, or I'd just tell you. You can yell. My wife's going to yell at you, and I want her to do that, because usually she's yelling at me. I'm just kidding. Here. So
1: a lot of you have been asking about Kids Church, and we've been uh, trying to figure out what we can do and how we can do that, so... Um, First of all, on November the 11th, which is Wednesday night, we're having a meet and greet for all Kids Church and Nursery workers, helpers, if you helped in the past, if you're new and want to help in the future, anybody that is, has worked or wants to continue working in Kids Church or Nursery, we really would love for you to come on Wednesday night, November the 11th, and it's going to be right here, probably in the card room back there. It's just, we're not going to have a long, boring meeting, okay? I hate long, boring meetings. We're just going to get to know each other and just kind of catch up a little bit and uh, and start uh, moving forward. And after that, on November the 22nd, which is a Sunday, we are going to fire up our nursery and our preschool classes, okay? Nursery and preschool. We're not able to do the first through fourth yet because of space, because of this social distancing. We've taken up some of our classroom space. So um, that is coming. So just be aware of that. And please... If you want to help, or you have helped, and you want to continue, please show up on Wednesday night, November the 11th.
0: All right. Thanks, hon. Seven o'clock. All right. All right. Seven o'clock, she said, if you're online and you saw all that, and of course, I could, I don't want to give out your phone number online, but you can message on the stream and we can get information to you. All right. We are starting a new series today, okay? I'm pretty excited about it. I've been excited for a while. One of the things that I I have been hearing for months, all year, really all year, is a lot of fear. And let me tell you, the worst moments of church history, and believe me, there are some truly bad ones, were born out of Christians acting out of fear rather than faith. So what I want to do through this series is I want to not just encourage you, But give you real courage in the face of the real challenges that we're facing. I am not someone who likes to just make everyone smile and just be happy even though the world's burning down. That is totally not me, okay? And so what I want you to do is is we're going to look at some scriptures. We're going to look at some prophecies. Today we're going to be in the book of Revelation. Uh, I don't talk about end times very much. Uh, I personally feel that my views are somewhat unpopular, so I don't share them. But what I do tell people is this. I am a pan-millennialist. What that means is that I believe that in the end of all things that they're going to pan out somehow. That's that's my official stance. So if you ever come to me and say, Michael, how do you feel about this here? And I thought it's going to pan out. Everything is going to do exactly what God wants it to do, and I have no idea what that is, Okay? Why am I like that? The Bible talks about a great falling away. Jesus talked about it, actually, when he was here. He said there's going to be this falling away. People are going to lose their faith as we get closer to the end. I think one of the drivers of that is that people have expectations about what God is going to do. And here's what I want you to know. When Jesus came the first time... He fulfilled everything that God prophesied that he would do, and yet met no one's expectations of what the Messiah would do at that time. And so in the light of that reality, I just want you to know, I don't think God's going to do what you or what I expect him to do. I think he's going to do what is the very best to do, that will have the most people come to faith and bring the most people into the glories of heaven by his plan and not by mine, okay? Does that make sense? So as I come in today, and we're going to deal with some realities, the title of this series is Not Scared, which is the Wyoming statement of it. Had I been in Tennessee, it had been called Ain't Scared, S-K-E-E-R-E-D, all right? And, you're, and some of you are like, yeah, I totally would have got that. So as we get started here, I want to admit something. One is this, God gets a lot of blame in the world we live in today, doesn't he? Have you ever noticed That when things go well, some guy steps up and takes credit for it. When things go like they're supposed to and everybody's happy, some politician, some pastor, some business leader steps up and goes, well, that's exactly how we planned it. But when things go bad, it's God's fault. Well, God didn't stop the bad thing from happening because he didn't stop me from doing something dumb, but that's another thing. And so just realize as we get into this series, you've got to realize that God's usually getting the credit for everything that's bad, and mankind's usually taking the credit for everything that's good. Also, I want you to realize that there's something going on in the world that's real and that's dangerous. You see, we go through our lives and we have trouble. Our kids are giving us trouble when they're teenagers or younger. Or we have we lose a job, or the various gut punches of life come along. And we do that and we say things like, well, well, that's just the way life is. Everyone has setbacks. Difficulties come and we excuse those things. Well, here's the thing: there's a little bit more going on than just that. In fact, I'll tell you this, this is, this is what I believe. I believe that if your life is going well right now, like things are going well, you just got the job, the money came through, uh, she said yes, he said, he asked the question, however it went down, if things are going well for you right now, then I think that is a miracle. That's the miracle. Because we live in a world that's actually at war. Imagine this, imagine that we're on a battlefield, however you're... History. I, I love World War II history and Vietnam history. My grandfather was in World War II, both of them, and my dad was in Vietnam. And so I love that history. But maybe yours is a little bit more recent, and you can think of the Iraqi War or Afghanistan or whatever it is. Let's, whatever it is, Here's a battlefield, and, and all over the place, bullets are flying, artillery's exploding, and people are trying to kill each other because that's what you do in war. But in the middle of the battlefield is this overweight, middle-aged dude like me. And he's sitting on a couch. He's got a remote control in one hand and Cheetos in the other. And he's got a big screen TV up there and he's watching bad football. Because that's usually what you end up watching, right? You go, no, my team's doing well. Whatever, wait till next season. And all around the bullets are flying and the artillery's exploding and people are dying and that guy's just sitting there Oblivious the war. That's how most people live their what lives. And when something bad happens, they think it's a setback, and they don't realize that what's really going on is they're in the midst of a battle, and they are unaware of the battle. Okay? Are you with me? I need you to be with me, because we are going to get fired up today, and here's the thing. I'm going to read a lot of scripture to you. I hope that you will engage with it. And so before I get into this first text, which is in Revelation chapter 12, verse 1 through 18... I need you to. I'm going to ask you, if you would respect, I'm going to respectfully request, would you clear off the movie screen of your head? Stop replaying last week the fight with the spouse slash kids slash friend slash family member this morning. Clean the screen and let God project on it for you what I'm about to read. Are you ready? Leonard is ready. <clears throat> Here we go. John writing his account. Then I witnessed in heaven an event of great significance. I saw a woman clothed with the sun and the moon beneath her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and she cried out because of labor pains, her labor pains and the agony of giving birth. And then I witnessed in heaven another significant event. I saw a large red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his heads. His tail swept away one-third of the stars in the sky, and he threw them to the earth. He stood in front of the woman and he, as she was about to give birth, ready to devour her baby as soon as it was born. And she gave birth to a son who was to rule all nations with an iron rod. And her child was snatched away from the dragon and caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where God had prepared a place to care for her for 1,260 days. And then there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels, and the dragon lost the battle, and he and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. And then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens, It has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them before our God. Day and night. And they have defeated Him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who live in the heavens rejoice. But terror will come on the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you in great anger, knowing that he has little time. When the dragon realized that he'd been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But she was given two wings like those of a great eagle so she could fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness. There she would be cared for and protected from the dragon for a time, times, and half a time. And then the dragon tried to drown the woman with a flood of water that flowed from his mouth. But the earth helped her by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that gushed out from the mouth of the dragon. And the dragon was angry at the woman and declared war war against the rest of her children, all who keep God's commandments and maintain their testimony for Jesus. And then the dragon took his stand on the shore beside the sea. What a text. I'm telling you, Michael Bay couldn't even put that one together. And some of you are going, who's that? Uh, just a director, it's okay. Man, you see these, these images. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to be tapping into Revelation and some other prophecies here. Revelation. This, my belief on Revelation, you can agree or disagree because we are free to be wrong. No, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I certainly could be wrong when it comes to end times. But my belief on Revelation is that it's an eternal book. And that it speaks to every age, not just the final age. That's my belief. So, knowing that, we just pulled up this passage with a seven-headed red dragon. Kids, that's cool! Did you know the Bible had cool stuff in it like that? Who wore crowns and was so big that his tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky. This huge, violent monster. This is what Jesus is showing us because the book of Revelation is actually called the revelation of Jesus Christ, not the revelation of John. John is seeing what Jesus is revealing to him that the Father has revealed to Jesus. And so he's sharing that with him and John's sharing it with us. We'll get into the purpose of that in a minute. But what I want you to see first is the villain in the story. A seven-headed, giant, red dragon. That is cool. And you're like, there aren't really dragons, Michael. One, you don't actually know. (laughs) And two, the Bible is giving us a metaphor with which to wrap around the villain of the story. Okay? And so I want you to understand some realities. This first part may not be very encouraging, but wait for it. Can you do that? All right. First thing I want you to see is this. The dragon started the fight. The dragon started the fight. In this story, we come upon this woman in labor. Is this woman Mary? Looks like Mary. Is it Eve? It's an eternal story. There's symbolism here. This is bigger than one moment in history. And so what I want you to see is that when you get into Genesis 3 and you see Satan attack Eve with a lie, that was the dragon trying to end mankind. And when you come to Luke and you read about, or Matthew, wherever it was that talks about Mary and the, uh, the children who died, you see that that was the dragon trying to kill Jesus in particular. You see, this dragon came, Satan came, and he, ha- he was filled with pride. He's a tyrant. He, from the beginning, says to himself, I want to be God. I will do what I want in the world. And so he's the one who starts this fight. When I was in sixth grade, fifth or sixth, maybe seventh, it was a long time ago. All I know is we used chisels and stone to do our homework. I walked out of class one day with a big arm full of books, and the school bully walked up and just punched me in the face. And uh, I had this habit when I was a kid that when I got angry, I cried. And You're not very intimidating when you cry. I I was chasing him down the street crying. Anyway, hang on, I'm, I'm having a psychological moment. I'll be okay. The dragon started the fight. His plan should have been a sure win. In the picture, the dragon is in front of the woman labor, ready to kill the child. And he can't do it. He cannot accomplish his plan. He's mad. And now we have a war in heaven. So the, the dragon, I want you to see the start of the fight, but I also, and I, I, not just that, I want you to see the start of the fight, I also want you to see that the Sunday school pictures where you think about Adam and Eve being tempted in the garden and Mary having the baby Jesus at Christmas time, and the death of the children in Bethlehem, I want you to see that is part of the narrative. Do you understand? This is the story. This is all about a dragon trying to end something that God's trying to do, that God's going to do. Okay? So the dragon started this fight. The dragon is determined. He cannot kill the child. By the way, in the eternal picture of the story, you have the child being born and snatched away to God. But in the time calendar clock version of the story, we know that that was 33 years plus that Jesus was on earth and lived for the Father and then died on a cross and then was taken to heaven. So you understand when you start looking at things from an eternal perspective, as the Bible indicates in these prophecies, it's very different than your calendar and your clock and your linear sequence of events. God isn't bound by those things, is what I'm trying to tell you. Which is why we need the book of Revelation to open up our eyes to see things from a different perspective outside of our limits. Does that make sense? you with me? If if I were you and I was under 20, because my pastor never taught like this, I would be sitting going, no, that's cool, man. The Bible's more like Star Trek than it is like, you know, History Channel. (laughs) Okay, well, I enjoyed that more than you did, clearly. So, he fails in the garden. The dragon fails in the garden and mankind does not die there. He fails at Jesus' birth. He fails with an assault on heaven. Do you see that this seven headed giant red dragon tried to attack God Almighty? That's how arrogant he is. Didn't even back down from God. And you think he's going to leave you alone? Do you see? What's going on here? Do you see the gravity of the situation? I want you to know there's an enemy and he wants to end you. But here's something else. You need to understand. For him, this is personal. For him, this is personal. For you, you're like, I just hope the devil doesn't bug me today. (laughs) But for him, it's personal. Why? Because God did something for you that Satan didn't even want him to do for him. You see, Satan wanted to basically just form a coup in heaven and be a tyrant for all eternity. That was his plan. But he couldn't do that. But then he tried to end us. And then God, in his radical, crazy, awesome nature, when mankind sins and the, re- and the, the consequence for that sin is death, When mankind sins, rather than God destroying mankind, God shows up and makes a sacrifice for mankind. God becomes the penalty for mankind. You see, Satan didn't even want redemption from God, he just wanted power. But God came and, from the very beginning, laid down things so that mankind could be redeemed. And so, for your enemy, it's personal. It's personal. Do you understand this, okay? So you have an enemy that started it. He's determined, and he's just, right now, he is very frustrated and very, very furious. And he has one talent, really, other than he's a great copier, counterfeiter. He has one talent. Lies for the purpose of fear. Lies for the purpose of fear. Of fear. You see, when fear keeps you alive, that's healthy. You walk up to the edge of a tall cliff or building, and fear says, don't jump. Preserves your life. I mean, that that for you young guys about your mid-20s, that fear will start kicking in. Don't drive 120 miles an hour. Fear starts kicking in. Fear that inhibits your life is toxic. Fear that keeps you from living is toxic. You see, I I believe that you can have freedom, but you can never have safety. What do I mean by that? You see, I think with freedom, you're able to stand for yourself, learn to defend yourself, express yourself freedom gives you the ability to do things that can protect others and stand up for others but when we get into a place that we're afraid and we just want to be safe safety is always an illusion if if you could actually make yourself safe by protecting yourself from what's going on in the world then prisons would be the safest places on earth right and I, I don't, I've never been to prison other than in a ministry capacity, but even from that perspective, I could tell you, I don't want to live there. <clears throat> there are certain worries in life I don't want to have and that we're not going to get into for this message. <clears throat> the enemy wants you afraid so he can take away from you your life in whatever capacity possible. Take away the life of your marriage the life of your children, the life of enjoying the lives of your children, the life of your enjoyment in life and your faith, your worship. He hates it when you worship. If you knew what was happening when you were singing a while ago, you'd have sung louder. So remember that when we start singing again here shortly. My point is the enemy's real, he's big. And that's scary. But don't be afraid. When you fear the enemy, you believe in the enemy more. When you have faith in God, you know that he's got this problem taken care of. So we are in our story and we see our dragon and we look at ourselves and that's intimidating. So Michael, I'm all depressed now. What should I do? Well, you should read the next verse. Revelation 12, 11. Are you with me? I think you might have went to sleep there in a little bit. But don't worry. You're about to get excited. And they defeated him. Everybody say defeated. defeated. They defeated him. I wanna, I wanna, I'm going to give you a word that's not in the text that, that excited me. You ready? It does not say, and they escaped him. It says they defeated him. Woo! They defeated him. The giant seven-headed red dragon. Got his tail kicked by these people. Do you know who these people are? They're you. They're you. And how did they do it? How did they overcome the enemy? Because some of you are sitting there going, I do not feel like I can take on seven head of dragons today. Don't you worry. You got this. All right? Jesus has got this for you. Here's how they did it. And they defeated him by the blood of the Lamb. Say, Jesus. Jesus. All right, they defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. Say, Testimony. They defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and their testimony, and they did not love, say love. love. They did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Woo. Woo! Here's what happened. Here's what happened, okay? You got a seven-headed giant dragon, and you have all these people who kicked his britches, and here's how they did it. They did it through what Jesus did for them and what Jesus did in them which caused them to realize how much they loved Jesus. Do you see this? Jesus did something for them, did something in them, and they couldn't help but love him for what he did. A couple of weeks ago, several weeks ago now, I was on a Facebook Messenger chat with Pastor Asif, who is our connection with Bibles for Pakistan in Pakistan. And he was telling me, he shared this story with me. So there's this gentleman, and I gather from the story that he was about my age. So I'm I'm in the neighborhood. Well, I am I'm a five zero, which is awesome. I didn't think I'd make it this far. I didn't think my wife would let me make it this far. <laughs> all I know is at five zero in my life, <clears throat> I can sleep wrong and hurt all day the next day. Can you do that? I mean, like, I can hurt myself sitting in a chair. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I can hurt myself eating. I can hurt myself eating. And as you can tell, that is not slowing me down. Just <laughs> grind through it, Michael. Feel the pain. <laughs> this guy's about my age. And Pastor Steve's telling me that he goes out daily, or at least weekly, and he goes into the communities around uh, Islamabad there, these Community, these towns that are very extremist in their Muslim faith. He goes in those towns and he walks through the town and he talks to everybody he can talk to about Jesus and preaches Jesus in these heavily Muslim communities. Because he was a Muslim and he encountered the love of God, which is a foreign concept to a Muslim. He encountered the love of God and what Jesus did for him and what Jesus did in him was so great and so mighty in his mind that he loves Jesus so much that he wants everyone to meet Jesus. So he goes to the towns, he gets beaten in town squares regularly. His life is, is, is on the line, he could lose it at any time, and he does not care. He loves Jesus more than his own life. Because every day this guy is out there, looking at this scripture, this guy is out there winning, kicking a giant seven-headed dragon in the britches every day, telling people that Jesus is Lord. That not only convicts me, it challenges me, because I look at a guy who should be afraid. In a very anti-Christian culture, an anti-Jesus culture, he should be afraid, but he's not afraid. He's out there winning in a way that that other guy could never do. Well, I wish I could remember his name. That would have been really funny. Uh, Charlie Sheen. There we go. He's out there winning. And I want you to know that that is us. That is us defeating him. So here's the message God gave to me as I was writing this message. God, Michael, stop waiting for a rescue mission. Stop waiting for an escape. Start winning. You hear me? Amen. You hear me? Okay, this is important. So they defeated him by what Jesus had done for them in them and their love for Jesus. Now, I'm sharing you this story today. Uh, and I've tapped into Revelation on purpose. Kind of, part of it's a little bit selfish. Because the Bible says in Revelation 1-3 that God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church. See, I just gave myself a blessing today. <laughs> and he blesses all who listen to his message and obey what it says. So you've got to shout at a blessing today too. For the time is near. Here's what I want you to know. A lot of people are reading Re- <laughs> There's a... There's a meme that's been going around. What chapter of Revelation are we in today? All of them, but that's a different story. (laughs) My my point is this. This book is not in the Bible to scare you. And I'm not even going to be teaching through the whole book or anything. I'm just going to be pulling selected passages out of it. But I want you to understand that the whole point of the revelation of Jesus Christ is to encourage you and to bless you. Why? Why? Because Jesus has got this stupid little seven-headed giant dragon in the bag. Jesus has got this. When you look at and you worry about the future, you understand that the the man who's going to rule with a rod of iron, he's the one in charge of the future. It doesn't matter who's in office or who's on a throne or who the local tyrant is. What matters is that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. That's what matters. So we can't go be living in fear. We cannot be, oh my gosh, this happened. This week's election week. I know you're totally stoked about it, just like I am. I mean, if I could hit pause and go take a month's vacation and then come back and hit play on this week, I would. I don't know what's going to happen. But I know that the way forward is not fear. Do you understand that? It's not fear, it's faith. Because let me show you who we follow. You Ready? John said this. This is his account in Revelation 111. Feel free to respond in any way you'd like. A voice speaks to John. Write in a book everything you see and send it to the seven churches in the cities of Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamon, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And when I turned to see who was speaking to me, so John's hearing a voice. Write a letter Turns around. Okay, are you with me? When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven golden lampstands, and standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were like flames of fire, and his feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. And he held the seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth. And his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. So there's the picture. You see the robe, the sash. You hear the voice and, and the white hair and the flame of the eyes and the stars in his hand. You see it. Now listen to what he says. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead, but he laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. Why not, Lord? Here's why. Because I am the first and the last. I'm the living one. I died, but look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and of the grave. That's your Lord and Savior. That's Jesus Christ. That's why we can't be afraid. There's no reason to fear. There's reason to believe. I don't know what you're going through right now, but the fact that you're in the midst of a battle and a war should not surprise you. What you're going to do about it, though, are you going to stay there in fear and try and hide from it? You run from this battle, it will follow you home. That's right. That's right. Or are you going to step up in it? And realize that Jesus Christ who died for you and laid His blood down for you is also living inside of you and that He has got this well in hand. No more fear. Look at this terrifying Lord and Savior. One that when John saw Him He literally fell on the ground exhausted From all it took to just look at Jesus, you look at this and you realize that some stupid old seven-headed red giant dragon is no problem for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let's pray. Father, I ask you to fill your church with courage and with power and with hope. I pray, Lord, that we would not enter this week with fear, with anger, or with dread. But Lord, that we would step up into a situation that we know is real. That we would be prepared to love Jesus more than our life because of what he's done in us and because of what he's done for us. So I ask you, Lord, that as we worship now, as we begin to uh, (laughs) create pain for our enemy through our worship, I pray that you feel the body of Christ with incredible courage and fearlessness and joy. In Jesus' name, I praise you. Let's stand.